<sighs> I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing is just so f***ing absurd. Well, uh, speaking of absurd, do yeah. I have a movie for you? <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of absurd. What a segue. Brilliant. God damn. Tenet is f***ing weird. Can we talk about it? We are doing Tenet, right? Full QQ review? Tenet. Maybe, maybe, right. maybe, we, we, maybe we already did it. <laughs> can we can we record this in reverse? <laughs> Rolls on <laughs> fire. <laughs> Backmasking. <laughs> <laughs> Time's up. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm not ready. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Wednesday, January 6, 2021, and we're your hosts, Tonda Pop, Zach Mayer, and Raul Torres. Happy New Year, boys. Happy New Year. The happiest. I know, I know, rough, rough start. But dear listener, we're going to do a little escapism tonight. This is the QQ review of, I guess this was a 2020 movie. I don't even know what the release date was, though. Uh, well, it's it's hard to pin down because it was going to be in theaters because Nolan really, really likes theaters. And then it wasn't. Um, yeah, the the Christopher Nolan should have been a masterpiece. I don't know if that's spoiler or not. Tenet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. Okay, so Google thinks that Tenet was released August 12th of 2020. That's a little right, because I, I remember I was like, oh, that's going to come out around near my birthday, so I'm, I'm going to go see that my birthday weekend. I mean, I think that's like, I, I, I think that's maybe the theater release, but like all the theaters have been closed, so. Yeah, do, do we, do we want to, do we want to completely sidestep the, the whole theater, you know, plague implication here or do we want to get that uh, away now do we want to say I, I just don't want that creeping into the conversation the whole time like no i mean we can just we can address it now so yeah it was released august 12th in theaters almost nobody saw it and i think, think there's a couple December of drive-ins that had it open because yeah, that was a were, thing yeah they're, they're, that would have been I, cool i wish i could have done that I've definitely heard of people going to do that and i don't disagree with the sent- sentiment but we'll talk about that in a minute December fifteenth, twenty twenty, was the uh, the digital release date, which is why we've only really just now gotten to it. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, so obviously we're going to get into the full QQ review, um, and we'll do the whole thing. Obviously, there's there's a lot of stuff to like in this movie. Man, I I do not agree with Nolan wanting to release this. Like, I understand why he wanted it in theaters, but I do not agree at all, given the state of the world, what was going on with having tried to release it in theaters. And I got to tell you. Uh, you know, no one's really talking about this because it trickled out onto you could you could like pay for it on video on demand. You couldn't just go to streaming services. I got to tell you, I I can't help but think had this just been released, you know, again to Netflix or to HBO or to Amazon to whatever. I don't care which streaming service, you know, for as a Christmas release. I feel like everyone would have actually been talking about it. it would have gotten a lot of buzz. And I think it's again we'll get into the review, but I think it's a bloody shame that no one is talking about it. It's 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 a, at the very least it's an interesting film and I I feel like the whole thing if you'd have just shut up and put it on streaming and just accepted that wow there was a really bad year or two for the human race as a whole I guess we had to make a sacrifice here I feel like it could have been so much better instead no one's talking about it um I think one of the key things you mentioned in your phrase is that it is a quote unquote interesting film I don't believe you called it a good film so I think that's also a big factor in the more people I'm talking about it. <laughs> I'm trying I mean... to keep it big. <laughs> I mean, I I have some thoughts, but no, I mean, so Nolan's got uh, 
definitely he, he's absolutely got a pedigree uh and he absolutely seems to have a brand for the like psycho um sort of twisty he's like m night Shyamalan if Shyamalan made good movies still <laughs> um because hey, hey. yeah, nolan was the writer for this correct yeah and yeah. dunkirk uh, I mean, Nolan did Dunkirk. Dunkirk was fantastic, and it was filmed in a really, really cool way. Anyway, uh, oh, and Inception, I guess. Memento, um, guys, is his film liked, debut. I liked Inception. Did I, I say, really did I Inception. say Memento? Yeah, Inception was was yeah. it was fine. No, he's got a great uh, filmography. Yeah, so I mean, nothing against him as a filmmaker, and not even against him as a writer, but he definitely has opinions. And those are strongly held and it turns out relatively inflexible. So the inability to adapt to the current circumstances is not exactly off brand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I've, I've spoken my piece here again. I'd rather just leave all that, that business and yeah. then we can just talk about the movie. Um, anything else y'all want to add before we get into it? Ah, <sighs> Nope. Uh, Perfect. One quick thing. One quick thing. Uh, I feel like the only thing that I missed out in the movies is after I saw the film and I looked at or heard some other reviews, a lot of folks were saying that depending on where you saw it, the um, aspect ratio of the movie changed and that helped understand some of the timelines a little bit more. That doesn't happen in the streaming version. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had heard that too. Um, There was also a lot of trouble... And I guess I, I was going to bring it up as part of the bad, but honestly, I didn't really super experience it on the streaming version. So maybe it's just a difference in the say the sound, the, say the sound release. Yeah, the sound, the sound, <laughs> the sound like, was rough. The, yeah, the entire <laughs> balancing of the movie, uh, the mastering of the sound was just apparently just god awful. Like the dialogue was super quiet, the action was way too loud. Uh, people seeing it in, like you said, really drive-throughs. Uh, <laughs> people were like, "Is this my terrible stereo in my car, or is no? It's just the movie is is badly balanced." Well, show, show of not hands. Uh, who listened to this or who watched this with subtitles? I uh, did. definitely did. Definitely did. Yeah, I don't usually do, you... do that. I did. So all of us did. All of us. Okay. Like okay. So while well, well, I'm gonna sidetrack for a long story really quick. Um, when we first started watching I'll, this I'll go movie, pee. be right back. <laughs> Go, go, go. Um, when we first started the movie, um, we were a little confused because everyone was talking in Spanish, and we just thought like, like we're like, oh, I, I, like I couldn't tell like did the sign flash by like Russian, maybe they're in Spain or something like that. I'm like, whatever, everyone's talking Spanish, <laughs> whatever. Um, we got like 20 minutes in the movie and realized that we like, cause like that's you know we try to put everything in Spanish for our daughter. And we're like, oh. We were watching this movie with a different soundtrack on. We need to change this back, but which was nice because we got to see a little bit of the movie again. Um, but yeah, we had subtitles on the whole way through from that, so like it was. <laughs> That's funny. It was super helpful. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it crept into like just the normal way that I consume media now. I'm almost entirely sure that it's my wife's doing because she loves having the subtitles. Um, but I watch subtitles with pretty much everything, so it's kind of my default setting. Oh, that's not. Uh, I did, though, I heard about the sound, and I made sure that they were on for this one. Like, I double-checked my default <laughs> settings. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah I'm right there. I, it's good. I was like, warned. Was... I, I said it. That is not my default. But uh, it's so funny. We all watched it with that. Yeah, well, there were a couple of scenes where <laughs> I, I think it, it, it enhanced was helpful. it. Because, well, yeah, like, uh, when they're going through the vaults, uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, like... Um, yeah, I, I guess sort of background dialogue that you yeah. get in the subtitles. Like the background exposition, like those two words aren't supposed to go together. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So the subtitles, I, I feel like it was an enhancement on the experience um, <laughs> as much as it can be, uh, but definitely helped. And without the aspect ratio changes, um, like you mentioned, Rule, it was it was definitely yeah. you know whatever whatever edge you can get because yeah. this thing is dense. Okay, well we're, we'll come ways. we'll come back to the sound in in the bad. There's a lot of interesting stuff with this movie. We just got the release and the the time and the politics and the, the global pandemic out of the way. We've talked a little bit about the sound. That's gonna be a spoiler for for probably the bad. So. Uh, dear listener, first of all, we're doing this with spoilers. Spoiler crazy. So if you haven't seen Tenet, um, I, I would highly recommend anyone go see this movie. We'll, we'll talk all about it at the QQ Review, but we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. Um, so the QQ Review is, the QQ Review format is fairly simple. We're going to start about talking about our preconceptions and what surprised us. Then we're going to get into the meat of it with the good and the bad, wrapping up with the verdict. So, gentlemen, preconceptions. Did you have any? I thought it was going to be Inception. <sighs> <laughs> there's, there's gonna be a gimmick like let's just distill it down to it there, there is some magical gimmick that's gonna make it interesting sure sure i did not know what that gimmick would be um yeah, I, I don't know again if this goes back to the the release being what it was and us not having conventional trailer drops and conventional like movie hype but i really felt like i was going into this basically blind i'm with you Ruli. it's it's nolan there's gonna be a gimmick i was looking forward to whatever that gimmick's gonna be we knew from the trailer about the backwards bullets, so I assumed it had something to do with time travel, which is sort of accurate. Um, but I had basically no preconceptions of any kind. Yeah, I intentionally, like, I heard about Tenet, and I heard it was Christopher Nolan, and I heard that it was going to be a little bit weird. And, you know, even the spelling of the, or I guess the, the Palindrome. Unicode. Yeah, uh, the way that it, it worked uh, with the backwards E, I was just like, okay. I don't want to know anything before I see this. Like, I, I want to go in with as few preconceptions as I can have. Uh, I don't want to be biased one way or another and see what I get out of it. Um, I feel like that's the best way to enjoy stuff like, well, just Nolan stuff in general. That's probably fair. I would I would agree with that assessment. So, Ruli, any, any other preconceptions? No, just that... Um... I've I've been trying to go into movies as blind as possible. There there are certain things that like just because of the name, like you know, like the example like Robert Rodriguez. It doesn't matter what they do. I'm gonna go in and watch it, be it oh. delighted or not. I'm gonna go watch it. So, um, yeah, I know he's gonna see it. I'm like, whatever. Just don't tell me anything about it. And I'll watch it when it comes out. But welcome to the old guy podcast, where <laughs> where hype is for youngins. It's a young man's game. We're oh, all about no, I mean, no hype, bitches. I agree. <laughs> I agree with what you were saying, though. Like, I don't think there was really any hype at all, right? Like, it's... Yeah. I know we didn't want to talk about this stuff, but, like, podcasts, everything just was, like, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> and there was a lot of resurgence, and, like, a lot of the stuff that I listened to was just, like, talking about older movies just because there was nothing to talk about. Yeah. Well, so, um, let's... Okay, then. Then what What surprised us? If we all were going in blind, what was surprising? I'll, I'll go ahead and start by saying that, again, we have the trailers with the whole, you're catching the bullets, going backwards... And it's actually funny, that ends up, I don't think it's the right word to use, but I'm going to say it's almost a red herring, that this movie about effectively time travel, uh, it, it isn't about, like, the backwards bullets, that's a side effect of what the main plot is, and it's almost a red herring, it's almost a distraction from the whole movie, and that surprised the living hell out of me, uh, that the trailer, the, like, the one trailer so they could drop was that, I, uh... I mean, it wasn't deceptive, right? It wasn't subversive, no. but it wasn't intuitive, and I do think that's fucking amazing. 
I yeah kept waiting. You know, while I was watching it, I saw him uh, in that first scene with the wall where he's sucking bullets back into exactly. his gun. Uh, I'm just like, oh shit, he's gonna get time superpowers. Yes, that's what no. I thought, right? Something like that. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get time superpowers, and that was the impression that I got from the trailer too. I was like, oh yeah. shit, he's gonna fight crime with, with weird time bullets, and uh, no, that's not what it's about at all. No, not whatsoever. <laughs> and again, like it, it being again, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so unique because those trailers weren't lying. Everything was was hiding in plain sight. It ended up really being again like a side effect of the main thing. I. I do think that's really cool. <laughs> like I don't oh, know how yeah. to describe it. It's but it's unique. It's cool. It was fantastic for the trailers to generate an interest in the concept, uh, and well, in the film, right? Without giving anything away. That's rare. Like you see a lot of movies that put out trailers, and like all the best parts are in the trailer, uh, which you know, makes a certain amount of sense. You want to put your best foot forward, have a good first impression, and trailers are that first impression. Uh, makes sense why you would want to have some of your best work featured. Tenet doesn't do that. And it still managed to be a, you know, compelling interest-generating trailer without disrupting any of the compelling, interesting parts of the movie. Yeah. Uniquely like, so. Yeah. It does generate a preconception. It absolutely does, and that preconception is undercut in the film when you watch it. But not not is... in a gimmicky way, right? Like, I, I am so tired of J.J. Abrams making scenes in movies specifically to troll audiences. That is not mm. what this trailer is doing, which is why I mm -mm. fucking love it so much. Yeah. No, everything in the trailer is in the film, and it's not even presented out of context not that there's a huge amount of context that you can get from a trailer but so there's no context whatsoever yeah in the it's trailer. Just zero. yeah yeah exactly but um i mean uh it's unique it's super unique and i thought that was really cool as far as what we were expecting going in and what we got uh it it is uh i i feel like he did a pretty good job with the um uh with the inception trailer as well and it's sort of his mo to be interesting in deep ways like yeah. it's not just a, a flashy surface kind of fun movie this is you have to actually invest your your brain into you know consuming this particular piece of media to get what i think nolan wants you to get out of it i i couldn't agree more and that's where i i don't know what audience what mainstream audience this film was made for because i obviously really like it and i want to talk about it but this was not for mainstream audiences, guys. Well, yeah. But it it's... had the budget and had the, the the everything to be that way, the production values to be that way, which but is isn't, amazing. Isn't, isn't that how he works? He's like, hey, here here's here's your DC, here's your Dark Knight, now oh, here's my Dunkirk. So I don't think Dunkirk That's exactly was really right. really for like, you know, big audiences either. So I feel like he does a good job yeah. of like going back and forth. Yeah, that's that's the rumors I've heard is that Nolan basically makes the deals with the studios. Like, I'll make your I don't like comic book movies, but I'll make your comic book movie, and then you are going to fund the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah, he definitely and he did a great job with Dark Knight Rises, um, Dunkirk. Yeah, I guess it wasn't exactly mainstream, but it's still like it's a war movie. You know, there's a pretty good audience for war movies in general. Mm -hmm. The way that he handled that, you know, the writing and the production of it. Um, of it now how that whole thing came together it wasn't like the single shot gimmick 
1917 like, by Mendez. Yeah. I forget who the director was. I can't remember either, but and that was a good movie too, but for a different reason. Like Dunkirk had its sort of weird, quirky bits in how it's filmed and presented to you. Um, that's very Nolan-esque. Like he he likes to play with, um, well, time, right, and perception of time. Like that's kind of his theme through there, a lot of these films. That seems to be the case. Uh, and he manages to inject that theme into Dunkirk. A movie about an evacuation in World War Two, like <laughs> fucking how <laughs> how how he did that. Uh, but it was compelling, and it honestly enhanced like the it enhanced the drama of what was going on. It wasn't just a rote retelling of events. This was like, oh, it's it's personal, and you're invested uh, because there's you know honestly a kind of ticking clock going on. Uh, anyway. That's enough about Dunkirk. Yeah. Well, so uh, we are, are we getting into the good? Really, do you have anything to add to the uh, the what surprised you? Or it's, it's so weird. Sometimes you, the format just drives you crazy because it just like it's very mixed, right? So like I maybe I, I could say like the thing that surprised me was I think this is the first time I've seen this take on the time travel thing, the the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because whenever like I was looking at reviews and stuff, yeah, pretty much everything is a instant snap of your fingers, you travel back, and having linear time travel is something that I didn't really think, like. I like that concept just never really entered my mind. So yep. I was surprised yeah. by that. I thought it was interesting, and uh oh, sorry, notice. For the most part, I I I like it. Um, if it was a little bit more like yeah, I was surprised by that. I'll just stop there. I, I was yeah. surprised by that. No, I, I totally agree with you. So let's um let let's transition into the good and uh let's talk about I, I want to talk about some of the different acts of the movie and talk about the, the good and the bad of them. But let's let's start right here about the whole concept of reverse entropy, where they're just reversing objects traveling through time is awesome, is brilliant. And this movie, most science fiction, uh, Zach, as you were kind of alluding to. It's about time traveling and jumping from place to place. And really, no one tackles the hard sci-fi concept of a truly deterministic uh, time travel movie. That is just yeah. not what the public consciousness is able to handle. Now, as super sci-fi nerds on this podcast, I'm sure we are all familiar with works that do have relatively deterministic time travel. But no one has done it like this in any sense of that. Whether we're talking about just the reverse trips through time, which are kind of brilliant and amazing even them walking in and out of rooms where they're going through the turntables and the completely 100 percent deterministic nature of it um as brilliantly and simply described by pattinson uh his character neil as just what has happened i'm oh, sorry has happened like it is deterministic and they i don't think fuck it up or bend it in any way which no other fucking time travel stories do which is fucking amazing that they were able to pull that off that everything is deterministic nothing is contradictory there are no paradoxes it's kind of fucking amazing to me what do you guys i think? mean i i i really want to agree and i do i think but honestly i would have to watch it a few more times to be totally sure that that's actually the case because there's a lot going on there is especially especially in the the third act like um oh i'm gonna have problems with the third act spoilers <laughs> yeah but um but but largely yeah i agree with you they they do a very good job of um using like the backwards forwards uh the reversing flow of time to 
to kind of give different perspectives on the same event. But my favorite thing, which is beautifully it, done in Act Two, fucking beautifully, it absolutely is. Oh my gosh, yes. Go uh, ahead. With the car, with the fucking car. Yeah, I was actually even thinking just the yeah that and the the they go back to the airport. But um, but no, sorry, yes. your favorite thing. My my very favorite thing, uh, since we're in the positives, uh, when he's it's the same scene with the wall, and uh, woman's explaining, you know, we've got these reversed bullets, mm-hmm. right? Um, the very first time that he's trying to like suck a bullet up to his hand and it's not working, and she looks at him and says, "You have to have dropped it." Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, not only is it you know, it is deterministic and the loops don't seem to uh, break in weird, uh, you know, immersion breaking ways, but it also injects this little bit of maybe free will still applies. And that's a thread that's sort of carried through. Like Neil uh, Pattinson does say on multiple occasions, what's happened has happened. Um, And that's taking the very like, you know, fate driven, sort of perspective of you know everything that we do all of the things going on are all very deterministic right but that's how i view it as determinism not necessarily fate uh the the two concepts are separate even though this is the kind of the free will conversation but yeah go on Yeah. yeah 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 but that that little bit of you have to have dropped it like you have to have intended to drop it you have to have dropped it just breaks that a little bit and not only only enough that you can say, is it is free will still a thing? Because that's kind of a central question that the main character is asking on a couple of different equa- occasions, whether directly when he's talking to Neil in the shipping container or indirectly with, you know, while he's trying to process what the fuck is going on, <laughs> especially in Act One. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that that little bit of dialogue that one tiny like few seconds of screen time to you know propose the mystery uh that is carried through the rest of the film really sets up uh a lot of it 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 piques my interest um in really nice ways it's a magical moment right it just like it really kind of sets the stakes and like kind of opens up your mind to the possibilities it's a very straightforward way to kind of communicate this cool idea um and I think it's it's awesome because it feels like it really opens the door for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. and plus, I also like how um, they definitely threw themselves a bone of like, just don't try to understand it, just just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, but I mean, but yeah. You you are right, but they didn't use that. Like the writers, again, credit Nolan here. They didn't use that as a crutch. Like the point is, you know, if you're trying to talk about reverse time travel and effects happen before cause. In reality, we could sit here and debate that until we're blue in the face, and it might not be intuitive to us. But the movie didn't handle it. Didn't look at the audience and say, "Yeah, this is dumb. Don't worry about it." What Avengers literally did when it looked at the—I'm not complaining about Endgame, but like it literally yeah, looks at the camera and goes, "Don't think I about feel it." They don't like he, a crutch, which is incredible. I mean, but it's how is it not a crutch when really realistically it's just basically saying like, "Hey, like just go with it. Like don't try to understand it. Just believe." Well, because they. Because again, I I do genuinely think this is brilliant that the deterministic like if if time if you know entropy is reversed and time is traveling in reverse, then you are going to see effects before you see causes, which they explicitly say in the movie, and that is true. 
And we absolutely positively could not intuit events that are going to happen where effects happen before causes, because that is the exact opposite of logic. It's the exact opposite of how our sensory inputs work. There would be no way for us to determine it. That's actually like true. Like you would be like, dude, you, you can't predict it because it's backwards. Like you, you couldn't do it. You couldn't figure it out. And I'm totally cool with that. I, I again, I, I just really, really have my hat off to the deterministic, uh, you know, writing the time travel interpretation that they used here. I think it's, 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 it might not be perfect. Like to Zach's point, I'd like to watch the movie again, but like it might not be perfect, but it's ridiculously impressive how well they, they made it to me. I don't know. I mean, I'm giving it too much credit. No, it is, it is, it is on first glance, very well done. Uh, I can only say on first glance because I've only watched it once and I, I, I don't want to stray too far because I think I'm going to bring this up in the bad, but it does definitely feel like a movie that really, really tries to be the movie that you want to watch multiple times. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's handling of time travel is very interesting, unique, um, but also done very well. Like they and respect, thorough. yeah, yeah, they, they they respect that. Hey, this is a weird, high concept kind of thing. Um, we're not going to try and justify literally everything that we do, but we're going to do enough of the legwork that it's believable. And they do a good job of making it believable, which is hard. Like, that's a hard thing to do. So credit where it's due, for sure. Yeah, I, I just, oh, I, I was so impressed uh, with it. It's not perfect. And I, I know it sounds like I'm giving this movie a handy, but like... <laughs> I will I will tear it a new one in in the bad. There there are some flaws in the film, but uh the concept is uh just incredibly unique and solid and well executed and well thought out and I again it might not be perfect, but I was just genuinely fucking impressed uh by it. So yeah, uh, as far as the the good goes, I I would now I would start talking about the different acts of the film and kind of setting setting up some good and the bad. But uh, is there anything else you guys want to mention? I really liked the casting. Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about that. So um, the protagonist, and I don't know what his name is, uh, the actor, uh, he was fantastic. Um, the, the girl's fantastic. Kenneth Branagh's fantastic. But I, I think the, uh, the standout performance, which blew my mind, because I literally have not seen any movies with him. I've heard he's good. Uh, Robert Battenson, I believe is his new name. <laughs> he blew my mind, dude. He was amazing in this. Yeah, no, Robert Pattinson was uh, fantastic. It's pronounced like, Pattinson, I, sir. Pattinson. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, he's, done really, he's done a really, really good job of distancing himself from Twilight, and I can respect that. Um, John David Washington Thank is you. the name of the protagonist. His character name in the film is the protagonist. The protagonist, which I also loved. I loved that they never actually say his name. <laughs> loved I, it. I, I hated that. Oh! <laughs> 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 why it's so good i mean i kind of i kind of like that it was it, it left it open a little bit for like self-serting um self-inserting like he's he's unnamed he's just a dude kind of going through this and you're just like oh it's the protagonist anybody could be the protagonist they even say that at one point they're like do you think you're the only person capable of saving the world and it's like no but i'm the only one who's gonna <laughs> well it, it fits their theme with like you know um uh, what what? How do they phrase it? They have a really nice way of phrasing it, where you know their their advantage is is everyone else's ignorance. They they don't yeah, overplay it, their it, hand. Like ignorance is their best weapon and stuff like yes. that. It's it's mm -hmm. like I 
it's one of those things where that uh, quote was mentioned a couple of times where I almost felt like it was like a, like almost like a nudge to the audience of like, hey, hey, the less you understand about this movie, the, the more you'll feel free with it. <laughs> Ignorance is our ammunition. Ah, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, see, I, I uh, just didn't... It shoots backwards and no one knows what it's going <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Well, I mean, I just didn't didn't think they used that as a crutch. I thought when they were saying that it was genuine. Um, And maybe I need to rewatch the movie. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But I I did think that they used that genuinely, which I think, again, fucking the last 20 years of uh, Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi have just ruined me, right? They all claim Mm -hmm. uh, ignorance is our ammunition was a good line, but they don't use it. And I, I felt like this movie genuinely used it. Well, they do. That's that's the intent, right? To like kind of keep themselves from not interacting with their past selves, Mm -hmm. to kind of you know not influence. Because it's just like, like going on like that that fate versus deterministic thing, right? It's just like the more you're aware of your going, you going on a mission that your past self is going to help you out. Does that implicitly mean you're going to slack off and be like, oh, don't worry, if I'm going to die, my past self is going to come over and just you know call the airlift and, and rescue me type thing, right? It just like no, it's just like don't don't interact so you don't like have that concept of like you're gonna need help. Like try to be self sufficient, get it done, and then it, yeah, the, just don't don't know anything. Yeah. In the immortal words of Bill and Ted, remember the trash can <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean there's that uh that little bit at the towards the very end where Pattinson's Mattinson's going off to to die, yeah, and he doesn't know it. Although he kind of sort of knows, he it. knows it. He knows it. He knows it. Uh, but the protagonist doesn't say anything. Like he can't, right? And that's the the little bit of ignorance. But it's also like they keep bringing up anything that's written down or electronically sent goes into posterity. I'm making giant air quotes. Oh, I love that. Um, love this. Would- but what blows my mind, though, right, is just, like, we're, we're talking about this, like, ignorance is your best weapon, but they have a whole, like, the whole pincer strategy tactic, which is literally just like, hey, we're going to send people back in time to know what happened so we can do a better job. So it's almost like, like yes, they keep saying this, but also they're like, ah, screw ignorance, we want to know what happened so we don't die. <laughs> I, I have a serious problem with some of the pincer stuff, and we'll get into that in the bad. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that one, unfortunately. Yep. Um... I, uh, well, uh, Andre's wife, Kat, Elizabeth, uh, Debicki, Debicki. Um, <laughs> I really liked her. She's really tall. Uh, <laughs> like just stupidly tall. I loved her so much. Um, I liked Andre, uh, uh Kenneth, I, am um, Branagh. Brana, I think I could be mispronouncing that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they both did really, really well. I, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, the protagonist and Neil. Yeah, you know, just the casting in this movie was really well done, and I think everybody was sort of in their role in a way that, you know, it it didn't feel like it was the first time. It, it didn't feel like a season one, you know. Yeah. Like they they seem to gel pretty well, generally. Um, I do have some problems with Cat as a character, though, but we'll get into that. Hmm. Okay, I'll be interested to hear that. Yeah, because so I think for the most part, I, I liked all the characters. Um, I again, the actors I thought were all doing great. Uh, the Michael Caine cameo was wonderful, even though it was very very short lived. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he was fantastic. Like I recognized him, but I almost didn't. Um, it was it was 
not uh it didn't feel like fan service it was just michael kane kind of being michael kane and i'm I'm not alfred i'm just expositing dialogue and giving you a very very nice credit card yeah cheers like, <laughs> like okay cool i mean i guess um he's in there he didn't feel out of place is all i mean like i liked him he was fine uh <laughs> i agree with everything you're all saying like, at least like i feel like the actors did their job well with what they were given they did what they needed to do and they did a good job <laughs> yeah um yeah Okay, cool. So we talked about uh, the actors. Uh, and anything else? I, again, we don't have a structure here. I, I would start talking about, again, some of the events in the movie. But what, uh, anything else you guys want to bring up? I liked the color palette. You know, I hadn't thought much about the color palette. But, I mean, the cinematography well, is, is that's, dear that's, God, top-notch. That's kind of why. Um, you don't, it's not a movie that has a strong color palette, which is part of the reason why I really like it. It lets you focus more on the characters and less on the background. Hmm. Um, where it made sense, they had a lot of strong reds in the action scenes. Um, you know, they're fighting on dusty sand uh, at the at the end. They've got the the fire going on when they crush the plane, but um, and they also have the the fire truck when they're doing the heist. But um, there's also just a shit ton of green, like just natural greens, um, the kind of greens that just kind of fade into the background, uh, which is to their credit, uh, because it, it really d- it doesn't distract you from what's going on with the characters. And especially in the dialogue scenes, it's mostly muted colors, mostly like sort of grays and beiges and things, and the characters themselves are the thing that that really pop. So they're not blending into the color palette. They're not like overshadowed with some weird tint. Yeah. You're, you're making me um, want to watch it again even more now. Cause I want to, I want to actually notice this. Cause I think as I'm thinking <laughs> back, I think you're right. But uh... yeah, no, I, I just like, I don't think it was a primary concern for a lot of the, the way that this movie in particular is filmed. Like, um, you know, the, the tone, the, the, uh, the color tone, Mm-hmm. The movie is mostly fairly cool, um, which is fine because it's it's kind of a it brings you into this sort of cerebral mindset that they want you to have. You know, you're thinking about time and time travel and the you know mechanisms for reverse entropy and that kind of stuff, and they they want you to be kind of primed to make it easier to to get into that mindset. And I think the colors help. Um, in in just really weirdly subtle ways um but mostly mostly i really like the way that color is handled in this movie because it doesn't distract you from what's going on what's going on is how the characters are interacting and honestly for the most part the characters could be interacting in a white void and you would have a really similar movie and those oh, I, and i like their interactions i i liked a lot of the dialogue in this movie it's very i would put the negative i was gonna talk about later like the, it's very exposition heavy but it gives the exposition and characters enough personality that even while they're expositing, they're still very unique and enjoyable, and the dialogue is very snappy. Um, and you're mm. actually you're right. This you could turn Tenet, you could turn huge swaths of Tenet into a stage play. You could literally have you know, the waiting for Godot, Ian McKellum, and Patrick Stewart on stage in all black, and a lot of it would still kind of work. But it's even better mm-hmm. that it does look gorgeous. Yeah, actually, a stage play tenant would be kind of fun. Uh, I would, I would not be opposed to, it. <laughs> except for Act Three. We'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, cool, Ruli. Any anything, or I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start going through the events. Going through the events. All right. So the the movie opens up with a. I mean, like the the opening act gets your attention very very quickly. Um, the inciting incident. But uh, I'll I'll get back to it. I think in the bad that I don't really feel like it comes back and pays off. So we have the opera house, and again the the uh, the filming is really cool, and how it you know gets the main character you know in, and they put the badges on, they get caught is really neat, and you see your first reverse bullet, which is like you don't know what to make of it at the moment. Um, uh, and, and so it starts off good, but I wouldn't say great, especially because it doesn't again come back and really pay off. And I'll I talk feel about like that, in the that scene stuck with me the most because the biggest question i have about like from the super super complicated time travel film is why did that one guy just shove the crap out of that one cellist player for no apparent reason like what's he, what is he gonna do <laughs> yeah. grab his instrument and smash him in the head that was like why why was yeah. he so mean to him that was just weird. you know you know because fuck that guy <laughs> um i mean they they definitely did call back to um the events that happened, not the like specific nitty gritty details, but like that whole opera house operation um, was a thing that came up two or three more times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's fine. It wasn't just like a one-off, like here's our hook to introduce our character to the secret underworld of time travelers. Um, it was also significant for another reason, uh, for a relatively central reason, right? It was a missed opportunity to acquire the missing piece of the, the widget doodad. Yes. So see, um, here's here's the thing. I'm I'm gonna let you in on a little spoiler for the the bad section later. Obviously, we've mentioned it multiple times. I don't much care for the third act as much as I'm gushing about the movie. The third act kind of sucks, and yeah. I think the third act should have been in the opera house. I think they should have gone back to where the movie started and it been in the fucking opera house. That's what I think. Um, I think it would have been so much more meaningful had it done that. They didn't really do anything different. Um, they already had SWAT teams. They already had shootouts. They could have just gone out the back door instead of the front door. I, I think the fucking act should have been in the, in the opera house. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, Wouldn't we, it have been cool if the protagonist was the guy who shot the conductor? <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we get out of the opera house. You know, the protagonist's mouth gets re- remade. And again, a little bit of exp- expositing again. And then any, any other director would just have, you know, the main character waiting in a safe house. It would be like they're in a hotel or they're in a barn or something. No, Nolan's like, hey, you know what I'm into right now? Windmills, guys. We're going to go film in a windmill. Like, everything looks... <laughs> in- it doesn't need to, but everything looks interesting. They never do... I- I'll give this movie credit. It doesn't really do anything that's boring. So they they're, they have these gorgeous shots of the ships and the gorgeous shots of the windmills. Um, mm-hmm. And then we effectively cut from there into the trailer, the reversing, catching the bullets out of the stone. Um, and all of this is super cool and super intriguing and super enticing. Um and it's a super again. It's a it's a good start. I just don't like that the opera house doesn't fully pay off. And I I was confused, but I was engaged. So like it was a good intro. Uh, and then yeah. we get to I would say all that's like the opener. And then we get to Act One, which um, gentlemen, tell me if you agree with this. I think this was the best James Bond, best Mission Impossible, best all of that. In, in decades i i like basically fucking uh the protagonist turns into james motherfucking bond for an act and he is going around trying to find uh uh you know kenneth braga's character and he's like he's getting dressed up and they're figuring out how they're gonna heist and they're gonna get into this building and they're getting information and he's gonna get you know it's, it's such a james bond moment like he's trying to talk to the girl and they're gonna beat him up and so then he beats them up in the kitchen like this is the best 
fucking James. I've been watching James Bond movies recently. This is the best fucking James Bond movie <laughs> I've ever fucking seen. Um, and it's in <laughs> I mean, it doesn't compare to any of the Mission Impossible things. Everything's literally served up to him on a plate. Like, it's it's so do A to get to B and blah blah blah. It's it's so colored by numbers and straightforward for that. I was kind of like, ugh. Oh, I so dis- like the, the dialogue of him talking to the. Uh, the wife to talk to Cat, and then again getting supposedly getting beat up in the uh, in the kitchen, but then not, and then you know showing back up at dinner with them and going sailing. I'm like, this is this is all fucking James Bond. This is all fucking Mission Impossible, and I'm loving. And it's not any time travel shit yet, and I'm loving every minute of it. Well, see, and that's that's the weird part. Um, and and I and I'm not knocking it. Like I had fun with it too, um, for sure. But like. He does the wall thing, and he sucks the bullets back into the gun, and he figures out the oh, you have to, you know, have dropped the bullet, and then just kind of doesn't, you kind of forget about it for about an hour. Um, yeah, because they, they think they think they're hunting some weird backwards ammunition is what they think they're doing. They're thinking they're looking for like an arms dealer, which ends up being right. again a complete subversion. Um, and so you're right; they do kind of drop it. And I'm kind of okay with it because I was having so much fun. Apparently, Ruli wasn't. I was having fun for two, buddy. I was having fun for you. Thank you. Thank you. All the James Bond shit. Um, yeah. And then again, they they shoot themselves. They they bungee jump, <laughs> which slingshot themselves onto the building to talk to uh, the arms dealer. And then they you know uh, they jump off and they cut themselves loose. Him and Pattinson. Like I everything about all of those scenes. I was just. They they move super quick. The dialogue was super snappy and super fun. The you know, um, you know your suit won't cut it. You know here's the credit card. And then later on she even comments, "You have the suit, but you don't have the the tact." Like the dialogue was just was snappy and kept calling back to itself. And all these scenes were fun. And I, you guys are saying, "Oh, it wasn't the fun part. It was paint by numbers, or it was not about time travel." I thought it was the best James Bond shit I've been watching in years. I loved it. <laughs> It was so low stakes for me. I think that's that's the problem, right? Because like I mentioned, Mission Impossible, right? It's just like um, I forget which one it was because there's just so many of them. But like um, the scene where he has to like go to the underwater vault and like yeah, it's spectacle, but also just like he's holding his breath for like thirty seconds or whatever a minute. Like that's a, it's a gimmick, but like I felt like there were stakes along the way versus the only stakes this dude got were like to go and even the you know the waiter denied him those stakes. So it's just like it's. <laughs> It just felt everything is just like, oh, just like just pointing him in the other direction to make the movie that Nolan wanted to do for like, like after to introduce the time travel. It's just like, oh, it didn't do it didn't for me. Oh, yeah, it was a lot. Well, I mean, I can kind of see the point. Like, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of exposition on the protagonist being competent, right? Like, mm-hmm. he he's not just the complete newbie he's he's being introduced to this whole new world and he's being you know after he's after he's tortured he gets through that they rebuild his jaw which apparently only takes two weeks that's weird <laughs> but little hand um but yeah uh, uh a lot of that whole act is establishing the protagonist as competent and they do it by showing that he's competent so i like that but it is an awful lot of showing that he's competent. So yeah, oh, that random note that you mentioned the two weeks thing. I wonder if that was like 
kind of like whatever you put when you get all the puzzle pieces together did they need two weeks of downtime just so he could like take the boat back to the other place because like supposedly he was in that boat right so like they just needed yeah. they needed to to do something light enough to not damage him but invasive enough where it's just like hey hey buddy you can't choose all food for two weeks let's not send you outside <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, I don't know if it's uh I mean, so the whole movie is largely about time, right? So any mention of time feels maybe more significant than it actually is. Yeah. And this is where I want to kind of like go back and see if there are more puzzle pieces to fit around that because is 2 weeks significant somehow, more significant than it first appears? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of love that I don't know, but I don't. So yeah, I'm not sure either. I that's uh, the time. The timeline is a little confusing in an awesome way. Oh, okay, so we we get past all the James Bond stuff, which again I freaking loved. Um, and then we get to the big uh, the the big uh, heist of we're going to break into the customs thing uh, at the airport. You know, we have the the Nolan dialogue of Pattinson, the protagonist, talking. Um, with, you know. Oh, I'm just going to suffer some fires. Don't be so dramatic. I'm going to crash a plane. How big of a plane? Okay, that's a bit more dramatic. We have this great Nolan-y dialogue. Um, and then we have the heist with uh, the timers and, you know, the no air and they're picking the locks. And I, again, I loved these, you know, quote-unquote action sequences. Um, and then we have the, the the time fight where two guys run out of the, the timetable. Uh, the, the, what do they call that thing? Turnabout? What do they call it? The turnstile. 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 Thank you. Um, and we get our first actual like reversed person or something, a big reveal there. Um, and the fact that all of this is really cool and really well shot and shot using practical things, including a fucking plane is fucking amazing and awesome. And then the fact that this will all get paid off by us coming back and doing it in reverse later is I think just the cherry on top. Um, so what'd you guys think of the whole heist? I mean... I don't know where they got. I don't know where they got all of their ancillary characters. That's my. That, that's like my the only help. complaint with it. Yeah, like where did they get all these dudes to hijack a plane? Where did they fucking come from? Well, no just, idea. It was just like no two idea. extra guys. But to be to be fair, you know, later on you find out that there's an entire organization that Pattinson's <laughs> part of. Spoilers: It's the protagonist's organization. So them magically coming up with two guys doesn't shock me in hindsight at all. In hindsight, I guess. But like the first go through, you're just like, where the fuck did you come from? Who the fuck are you? Why do we trust you? <laughs> I guess I just I didn't feel that way, but maybe. I, so I, I liked a majority of that scene. Like everything was so interesting and fun. But I hate to say it, as soon as he started fighting himself, I knew he was fighting himself. Like I just like, oh yeah. Like my my gut was like, he's fighting himself. Like it's just like everything about that scene was just like, we really just set up to be in a weird spot. Because I'm like, why would they telegraph that such obviously? In such a cool scene, it just like it just felt so weird. Like I don't even need to do it, but I just like I felt like you kind of like dismissed the uh, the action of it because now it's like oh here's this major piece of the puzzle that you've got to start putting together. And I'm like oh don't don't do so, that. You you kill this really awesome scene. No, so okay, I I kind of felt that way, but the thing that got me and maybe I'm just dumb and I didn't realize it the first at the first time um, was you know him and Pattinson both are fighting a guy because two people run out of the turnstile. Um, and I loved, like, I thought, they're oh, they're fighting themselves. Like, he's fighting himself and Pattinson's fighting himself. But the reveal that they are both the same person and the reveal that comes later on in the dialogue of, 
only one person came out of the turnstile. And I was like, what do you mean one person? And then like my mind clicked and it was like, oh. So um, yeah, I, again, in hindsight, that made that whole scene, which I did thought, I thought was good. It, it leveled it up to being fucking great. And then when they go back and you actually see him go back and from the reverse point of view fighting himself, it took from good to great to my mind is fucking blown. This is brilliant. Um, so it, it was it was layers for me. Now, I will put in the disclaimer here. And one of the things I'm going to bitch about mostly about act three uh, later on in the bad is that Nolan, well, a, an amazing filmmaker with his amazing talents, is frankly bad at doing fight scenes. He was yes. just all the Batman yeah. scenes suck. The fight scenes in this kind of everything else is amazing. Even the reverse fight scene isn't amazing. It isn't great. His fight choreography is not fantastic. Um, but I still fucking love this. And like I said, it's because it built with the like the one, two, three reveal. And the heist was fucking cool. You did say, you know, five seconds. <laughs> it's just cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, the the heist was fun. Um I liked that they were uh I, I liked the the setup with the recon um when he's like yeah check the fire systems um you know the halide gas bit where they're like sucking all the air out of the room well displacing all the air out of the room um was kind of neat uh you know the lock picking puzzle that they went through to get to the center room where the turnstile was uh it was fun um the bit with the turnstile, and I, I have to agree with Ruli. Like, as soon as Pattinson pulled the mask off the dude and then just let him go, I was just like, "Oh, I guess I was definitely... one step behind you guys." Because I, I, I well, kind of thought I knew, but I didn't. It's just like it's definitely somebody that he knows. And then while he's fighting the guy, um, I'm just like, "Oh, they're they're anticipating a lot of moves, even in reverse." Like, I don't know, man. Like that seems like pretty synchronized ballet so somebody that he'd obviously seen before and it just kind of made sense that it was himself it's a time travel movie it <laughs> yep it had it had to happen somewhere and that is just like okay well all right cool but the adventure for getting there like going through the re- after that whole scene that initial bit with the turnstile in the middle of the the heist uh, and then circling back to it towards uh, towards the end, that was satisfying. Like, yeah, the fight choreography wasn't great, uh, but seeing the whole thing in reverse, um, you knew it was going to happen, and you were supposed to by that point. But it had to happen, right, in order for there to be any kind of payoff. So it didn't feel like it was a big reveal. It definitely felt like you were being told that you had the right answer. And that's still worth something. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, to keep us moving on, um, I don't actually remember how we transitioned then from after that to like the the driving. We have the we have the MacGuffin, our piece of the MacGuffin. I don't remember how we transitioned there, to be honest with you. Um, but we they have a really awkward conversation on a boat that could have been had anywhere. <laughs> God, oh yeah, yes. he throws. Yeah, he saves me getting off the boat. Okay, yeah. Um, so we, 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 we do all that stuff. Um, we have the uh, the pretty damn cool uh, driving chase sequence with the reverse cars, and you're kind of like, what the fuck's going on? And then we have the big, arguably, I would say the big reveal of the movie, where, you know, he goes, the, the main villain goes into the turnstile and comes out, and now we see that people are going in reverse. Um, he shoots, uh, he shoots um, uh, Cat, Cat. And the protagonists, and so now our characters, 
they go through the turnstile. They are now reversed again. This to me is like the big reveal plot twist of the movie. Um, and then they, you know, come to find out uh, the protagonist was the guy in the car that, that wrecked going backwards earlier, which makes everything make sense. So this is the part where we start rewinding the movie. And then they have to go again back to the turnstile and they they redo the fight scene at the airport. And this is where, again, like, I think this movie could have had the most beautiful symmetry because, like, basically we played the movie forward. And now we're about to play the movie backward, but then we stop playing it backward and skip the opera house and go to a different location. I feel like the whole thing could have been this beautiful, symmetrical thing. And they didn't do that. And I'm bothered well, by it. Well, there's a lot of it, things they didn't do. So you kind of glossed over one of the things that... I did. I'm accelerating here for like an, an hour and I want to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things they did that I thought was cool, but the fact that they introduced it just for me made the movie fall apart, Uh-oh. is... Um, this reverse entropy concept where like, hey, guess what? Fire? Fire makes you real cold. You got hypothermia from fire. Congratulations. And then they yeah. got me thinking of like the entire third act where like most of the, you know, like incendiary arms and how, how mines do bullets work? and fiery how do, yeah, things. How do combustion engines work? And I'm like, 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 well, he's going backwards, and like, like, what does it mean? Like, like, it's, I, like, it just sucked because like it was such a big highlight, and I thought there was going to be more payoff or have it like kind of interweave with the film a little bit more. But I just like, no, just it was this one gimmick. Ha 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 ha. You were frozen. Uh, see you later, bye. And like, yeah. it just, it's to me, it was, it was too much in an already kind of like if they would have just got rid of that i think the film would have been a little tighter because like now that it has like too many questions of like how everything else works and for me it's just like nothing in the film works because fire is ice but not <laughs> yeah <sighs> i mean i i feel like that's that's the deal breaker come on well it's... there's a lot of deal breakers but that was the start <laughs> of the deal breakers for me i'm like no are you serious is he, he's gonna be okay because it's frozen that's just dumb like it just it just it it was the start of the well there's i i obviously didn't like this movie so many yeah. things this movie <laughs> yeah you, you you don't go full langolier um like the fact that yeah you said it the fact that combustion engines work but fire is is cold in reverse well to be, to be fair a lot of times they're driving cars that aren't reversed which again that's why they're driving backwards it doesn't and it, like what does the does the does the car go in reverse multiple gears? Yeah. There's a lot of things that don't work about those details. I, I no, when, when you when you start thinking about this, like I I really like I spent too much time thinking about how the bathroom works in this universe. <laughs> like for their little like like for their forward and backwards things, do they have like latrines that like put poop in the people? Because that would be terrifying. But that's what happens. <laughs> It's just like a little everything. It's just like how because yeah. they, they have their little barracks and I watched that pee South comes Park in, episode. pee comes Pooping out. out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, um, it, it it's so it, it's hard because it, it it's just so fucking mind bending. The whole thing. There's a lot of gray space that they get to play with because they have this this conception of different objects different things moving through time differently at the same time it's confusing enough that you can hide a lot of the the really nitty-gritty details um so i mean the big one with the fire for me i'm I'm kind of with you i'm like that's fucking weird but okay i guess i i i, I 
it brought me out of it enough that I was like, what was the writer's room for this like? Somebody at some point said, some nerd is going to be like, oh, you reverse entropy, <laughs> then that means that energy transfer is reversed, and then fire works backwards. I'm so <laughs> jealous they got paid to write that, though. Yeah, I'm just like, well, it's it's not even that that's where they arrived, right? Like, um, okay, fine. I can kind of gloss over that while I'm watching a movie. It's the fact that that is such a jarring thing to even include in the film at all that it, it sucked me out of the whole thing. And I had to like literally put myself in, okay, if I was writing this, I guess for, you know, 10, 20 seconds and then just like, See, it didn't, it the didn't remove film, me. But... It didn't remove me the way it did for you guys. I, I, I'm with you. It's one of the, the, the parts that's neat, but arguably might make the least sense. But it, it didn't remove me the way it did for you guys. I don't know. Maybe it, I was invested. It, it, otherwise. it removed me because there was no payoff to that. It was just like, hey, here's this cool gimmick. Like, it wasn't like one of those setups that's like paid off in the third act or paid off at all, right? It's just literally just like hey, you were saved from this car crash that we... Like, we exploded the car, because movie logic, but really didn't do it. It's it's just... it should, like If they're going to do it, have it do more, or not include it, if it yeah. doesn't do anything. That, but again, that not, not, everything, not everything is reversed, just some of the elements. Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but... It would have been cool if they had to, like, survive the explosion in the... Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the receptacle, the, the cave that they were in at the end. Um, if they had to like survive that by hiding under a thermal blanket to protect themselves from hypothermia or something, and oh, then they crawl out and they're all frosted yeah. covered, and they're like, yeah, it, it it could have been more, and it could have been more relatively easily. I, I don't want to say that because that's you know presumptuous on my part, but like storytelling wise, <laughs> there were opportunities it, to to take that further, and they just didn't. Yeah, so. well, it seems like all of us hate Act 3, so let's, I guess let's hurry up and get there. So, um, yeah. we then have, again, the reverse car chase. Okay, can uh, I throw have... in one more thing I don't like really quick? Well, no, <laughs> we're, we're transitioning into the bad, so, I mean, okay, go okay, ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I don't understand the protagonist's just, like, overwhelming protection instinct of Cat. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, like, he's going out of his way so much and putting so much on the line for her. I didn't understand anything whatsoever. Like, like only, only yeah. the sheer, sheer perspective of like, because I think they had that conversation a little bit. Like, because like one of the characters called him. I don't know. It's just like it's a means to an end type thing. But it just felt like way more than a means to an end at time. And just like I just I didn't understand how any of those like like any of the characters at all in this film. And it just blew my mind. Like other than the bad guy, the only the bad guy is the only one that made sense. Everyone else is just like, I don't know what I'm doing for it, but I have to do it. And that really just like kind of killed the whole like everything for me it's like, I, oh. yeah no i said that i had a problem with cat my problem with cat is she's just told and shown that there's world-ending consequences to what they're doing and she is super duper concerned about her child like her child's gonna be fine it's like you save the world you save your son you get that right <laughs> It's like I will abandon my mission because I don't want I need him to know that he lost. It's like what the fuck, lady? Seriously? Well, she Seriously? Just, she, just, she just felt revenge against him, like she didn't want him to get away with it. I, I don't know, like, they I, were human. I I was kind of okay with that, guys. I I was okay with them it, being human. The protagonist, the protagonist has empathy, and she wants revenge. And I can, <laughs> I, I can I, get that. 
I can totally understand it intellectually, but it feels it comes across in the movie like an alien's perception of emotion being played out. <laughs> Especially like, when, when you oh, have someone that is a motivation. This is what revenge looks like. Always down just... other people. Like like his job is to be like the soulless killer assassin, and now he cares. Like it's no, I I, I didn't buy it at all. Yeah. They did such a job of establishing credibility for the protagonist's abilities, but not a huge amount for anybody's motivation. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, again, I, I felt like his motivation is, and Pattinson's are straightforward. Hers yeah, is no, mostly about escape and revenge. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was super well flushed out. I just didn't have the problems with it, I guess, maybe that you guys did. But again, maybe I need to watch it again and notice some of these things. There was... So much stuff happening, so much exposition happening, so many reveals happening, that maybe I just got swept up and in, in this weaker part didn't bother me. That's fair. I mean, there's a lot going on most of the time. Um, like, I, I don't know, it just, it felt unfinished. Like, Kat's whole story feels half-baked. Um, it's, and, and she's there for so much of the movie. It's just like, I, mm, it's so frustrating because she's, you, you you can definitely like kind of see the rough outlines of her character, of her motivations, of her like dreams, desires, whatever. But they're just so stark against everything else that's going on, and especially compared to the protagonist and Neil, like she just she feels like a shadow, mm. and I don't think um. she's supposed to. I only have one thing to think of the motivation, but I'm going to save that for the end because okay. I think it's going to be better to talk after the third act. So let's dive into the third act. Okay, yeah. Um, so we're, kick us off. We're in the bath. I let's really, do the third act. I really thought it was those visuals were so amazing for the buildings coming back together and things like that. Like that was just so cool. It was just like a very interesting way to look at combat. Um, yeah. I didn't know what was going on half the time, but I yeah. it was a visual treat. I was very happy. I'm like, this is so cool. I have no idea who the good guys are. I have no idea who the bad guys are. I have no idea yeah. if they're winning because the building is repaired. There's, so that's that's opposite of... There, well, there's no sense of identity. There's no sense of geography. There's no sense of the stakes. I, it, it is pretty, but I pretty much didn't like anything about that battle. Like, everything about it was just confusing or bland or unexplained. I just, I just don't have anything good to say about it. It did look pretty. It did look pretty. Yeah. It, it it definitely felt like a sort of it almost felt like a cop out, and I can sort of see I I could be generous and and sort of wave my hand over it and say oh well I mean battles are supposed to be confusing and chaotic and not much makes sense even in a normal fight right but. No, but it, like good filmmakers give you that sense of geography. Yeah, movie fights, movie fights need that. Just the seven cars don't blow up, yeah. and as soon as you just look at them. And this is where again, <laughs> yeah. for all of Nolan's strengths, and he is an, a really good director. And I, I, you know, uh, we're going to be slightly disagreeing on the writing part, but like I think a really good writer. And like for all of his strengths, action sequences are not among them. And this was, uh, I almost like how you described it there, Zach, of a bit of a cop out. Like, well, it's a big Hollywood production. We got to end with a big, a big battle between two armies. Like that's how blockbusters end, right? Let's let's have a battle between two armies. Like, give me oh, the color army. Why are they there? What color are they? Where are they coming from? Where are they going? What the fuck's going on? And I just didn't feel like I had any of that. Well, and like they had the um, the armbands to differentiate who's going forward and backwards. But those were both the good see. guys. We had red and we had green. And what were the bad guys? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I had no idea who the bad guys were. I could not distinguish them. I couldn't pick out who they were fighting. No idea. What no direction were our clue. characters headed? No idea. No fucking clue. But, um... Yeah, I, I did like the part where they were. <laughs> I like the part where they were doing the briefing, and they have the the shipping containers outside. They're like, "Blue team is in the sh- is over there. They've come back, so we're using information they've brought back to to do this briefing." And the guy's like, "I wonder why they won't let us see them. Probably won't like what we see." It's like, <sighs> I love it. Uh, it's 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 stupid and it's almost a little cheesy. Um. But I still liked that bit. Yeah, it's fun. Again, the, the whole pincer thing was harder to follow, and you think it'd have better information, and it just that's, <sighs> that's where every, like again, it was still deterministic, and I salute them for that. Um, and the Pattinson switching gears midway through the fight and trying to stop them was aw- there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, yeah. So I guess I, I guess I shouldn't say that I didn't like anything about it. Like there were some well, good things to like about it, but. The major yeah. elements did not work, and it thus it did not glue the third act together at all. Yeah, it, it felt the the whole fight felt like filler, like very visually stimulating filler. But um, you you were talking about geography, uh, especially with that with that whole battle. Um, there were only a few touch points, like very few landmarks that you could kind of draw on. One of them physical, like the building coming up and down. You know, yes, there there is time battle happening. You see the building like come back together and then fall because somebody else blew it up. I don't know. Uh, honking the car horn while they're running into the tunnel, Was and then they... seeing that, yeah, and then seeing that again when Neil is reversed and they follow him through that whole sequence. Uh, watching the guy set the uh, the trip mine, um, and then watching him unset it from Neil's perspective, like. The the geography is much less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's much less spatial as it is temporal, which I think is kind of the point. And sure. it's a big part of the reason why I think watching this more than once, like especially Act 3, is what yeah. the movie really wants you to do. But f- Act film, 3 Film really is a visual tries. medium. I need to have some geometry. Like, I need to see yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this is this is the part of the film that I feel is it, it's almost cloying. It's trying so hard to be the movie that you want to watch again and again to get more out of it, and it's like all kind of crammed into Act Three. This density of stuff that's happening that you just are overwhelmed by, especially the first time through. Um, and it's almost insulting. Uh, it, it's like so obvious that the movie wants you to watch it more than once at that point that it's just like fucking come on <laughs> i almost don't want to now because you're just being so fucking blatant about get, it get back but into that theater funny. i was i was joking with claudia i'm like i don't know if i saw half of the movie or a quarter of the movie given how many times they zigzag back and forth and i've got to account for what's going on <laughs> um yeah. It's do I need to watch it again or four times? I don't know, but I am not going to watch it again. I'm just going to watch the YouTube commentary on it and have them do all the work for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, Act Three had some serious problems. Uh, another thing here is just that uh, I don't feel like they did a good job truly establishing the threat. Like I get it. Um, they need the different artifacts, other and if they all get together, then the world 
basically time will end. Like, I, I kind of get it, but I don't really feel like they ever did a good job really establishing the threat. Um, I never feel like it's very clear. Like, the bad guy's the bad guy, and getting Kenneth Brown is awesome. And so she's trying to keep him alive long enough so that they can secure the thing in linear time. But I just, I just didn't feel like the threat was... Per- it's just like... It's just basically like this, this expository, like... Well, if the bad thing happens, we all die. What's the question? And it's just like, well, it's it's can the you be um, more specific. It's the problem with like once you change the scale of these things, right? It's just like if there's ever a movie where the world's gonna end, I think there's only like two or three movies where the world actually ends. So it's just like you don't really feel that kind of like, oh, something may happen. Versus like, hey, you have a smaller movie in scope, or just like, you know, the, the final person, the main person is not going to die, but like other people may have, you know, be collateral damage or stuff like that, where you there's a, a, like a potential sense of loss, but like loss at that scale, if that happened, especially when they keep they keep saying the gimmick of the movie is just like everything's that happens happened, and if they win, the world ends. Well, like the world didn't end at the beginning of this movie, and the fact yes, that we have this movie is, is basically yeah, it's important to the faith thing, but it's just like it doesn't make the ride any more interesting because of the way the ride is executed. Yeah, fair enough. Oh. Yeah. Yep. So okay, I um I think we've actually basically talked intermittently about all the other things in my little bad list here. So the third act as a whole, we started off the podcast by talking about the sound. I just pointed out I don't think the threat was uh, very well established. We talked about the opening and some of my problems with it. We talked about that again, even though I enjoyed it, it is exposition heavy, but I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh we talked about some of the action just kind of being a bit flawed, as neat as it is. Um and I, I would point out that there are some scenes that if you actually do try to pay attention a little bit, you can tell that literally they just are having actors run in reverse and reversing the uh, reversing the footage. So it's almost like, you know, Nolan, it might not have been as hard to make this as you made it sound. Well, I mean, I didn't bring it up in the code, but I probably should have. The scene where they're on the ships in reverse and they do the big pan in over the ships moving backwards. Mm-hmm. That's a cool shot. It's a cool shot. There's a lot of cool shots. It's really cool stuff. It's a really cool shot. Um, but <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a little bit of camp in especially the fight scenes. Basically, every time that people are interacting forwards and backwards together, uh, and God, the third act really draws that out. Yeah, I I really even though I, I'm in I'm almost insulted by how loudly it demands to be watched more than once i probably will watch it again <laughs> not like right away i want to digest it a little bit but i'm gonna feel guilty about it or not guilty i'm gonna feel hmm, chagrined somehow like <laughs> I, I i feel like i'm being coerced into watching <laughs> this movie more than once um which i hate like honestly as good as a lot of this movie is it doesn't need to make me feel like I am. It, it doesn't need to make me feel like I hate it. Like I'm just hate watching it the second time. You know? I feel like I want to watch it. It feels like you guys might feel like you need to watch it. And I can see that being a stark contrast. <sighs> yeah, there's, just, um, there's, there's enough itchiness in my brain that I'm going to scratch it eventually, but I'm going to be mad about it. Uh, one of the things I liked um, at the end... Um, was that really brief conversation of like right before he goes uh neil goes off to sacrifice himself is the the uh that this is the beginning slash end of a friendship kind of idea of like hey it's just like like 
you recruited me, you know me, you're the yeah. one that helped me build me up. And he's like, oh, really? I barely met you. And it just kind of like implying that there's this other like 12-year movie going on in the background of them working together. I thought that was really cool and intriguing. Yeah. But I also I hated it because I'm like, oh, that must be where all the character development is in another movie. <laughs> oh, God damn it, really? No, I, yeah. I love that. It was that play on Casablanca. This is the end of Beautiful Friendships and beginning of Beautiful Friendship because it's all about time travel. I I, I loved that. I thought that was great. I thought that ending where he goes back to sacrifice sells himself is great, even though it was kind of a little overly telegraphed. Like, yes, we get it. He's going to go die. Um, I, I thought, you know, the whole cat uh, is the girl that she saw jump off the ship, the person she secretly wanted to be. I, I love that little payoff. I love that the protagonist then ties up loose ends and kills the two uh, arms dealers to save the kid with the cell phone payoff of um, prosperity or posterity. I, I yeah, love that. Was the, all that was that cool stuff. thing. Like that, that line, like the whole just little concept of like, yeah, we, we can time travel just by leaving little messages to ourselves. Like that, even that conception of like, yeah, that is kind of cool. Yep. Um, I loved all that. One, one of the things, so I, I kind of mentioned this early on of like, why does he, why does he care about this, this person so much? Um, have you guys seen any of the other theories about the movie by any chance uh there's one theory i did look up that i want to talk with you guys about about who okay, neil like, is okay th- okay that's exactly what i want to talk about then yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about it so you 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 flush it out tom cool zach who do you think neil is um do 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 what if i told you that neil was cat's son Oh fuck! <laughs> is that what you're talking I, about? I laughed. I laughed at one of the explanations of it. She's like, his name is Maximilian. Well, if you take the last, last four, four letters, letters of Maximilian and reverse it, it spells Neil. Neil. I'm like, that's so dumb. But yep. sure, but I, I believe it. I, I chuckled it. out loud at that. That was just so dumb. Which, by the way, I didn't even know about the existence of, or I, I might have heard of it at some point in my life and I'd forgotten. Uh, the existence of the palindrome cube, the palindrome square. Yeah. And all of those words do appear at different points in the movie. I think, I think we saw this so explain our YouTube video. Time. Probably, <laughs> apparently. Thank you, YouTube. Um, I mean, it's fine. I'll, I'll go with it. But after thinking about it, I, 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 I'm gonna level up this theory one more, one more uh, notch. Um, what if this isn't the protagonist's original timeline? But there's only that's that's the thing about determinism. There's only one timeline. No, 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 no. As, as, as in, um. We're watching his second run through life. So, like, he went back. He was twenty. He went back twenty years. So he's about forty-ish, and now he's doing everything here. Because you don't really technically know any of his backstory, and um, you know, yeah, he might have his shit together more than we think. Yeah, but it seems like you still age. Like, even when you're going backwards, you are aging in a linear fashion. So, and the only reason why I bring that up is because that's why I always squash the Neil thing. So, like, when exactly does he start traveling back in time? Because, like. He's about 12-ish there. Um, he well, went to college and all this. Unless he went to backwards college, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> like, did the whole college. Like, it's like, you know, it's good. You're committing no, I mean, to he, this. this he would have mission. to have been recruited by the protagonist and then just spent his entire life going forwards and backwards, right? Like, um, it, it's kind of like just running in a circle as opposed to making any distance. Like, he would have just yeah. spent his life yeah. in aging going forwards and backwards. Yeah. Which I, I don't I don't know. Again, it kind of makes me want to watch the the, the movie again because I don't. If that is the case, it's ridiculously subtle and is not relevant to really yeah, the plot it's, it's anyway. Not even, yeah, it's 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 one of the dumbest and coolest things at the same time. And I'm yeah. like, <sighs> it maybe sure. 
that that idea does add a little bit of flavor to when they're talking about the grandfather paradox in the shipping container. Like, his mother is sitting right there with a bullet wound. She may live or die, but yeah. he's not overly concerned about it. Well, he's he's always the most calm because of what has already happened, you know, what has mm-hmm. happened, happened. Like, he's always calm about that, which does imply that he's been through the timeline. Uh, I just can't salute the determinism enough. Uh, it's it, it might not be perfect, but goddamn, no, no movie has done it like this, and it's, it's fantastic. It's, so, so the way I would describe this movie is the boring parts of Bill and Ted. Because um, the, the second movie was just like, um, you remember the fight scene where they're basically there, they're facing oh. off the bad guy, and the bad guy set up a trap for them because he tied, he went back in time and he put the trap there, so the trap falls on them. Well, Bill and Ted win, so they go back in time and put the key to the trap in their pocket. So it's basically the part of the movie of them going back in time and putting the keys in place and learning and whatever and getting all that set up, which I was really hoping that they would have made, like, thrown a bone in the the third movie of just, like, do that as, like, a, you know, whatever thing. Oh, yeah, we forgot to do one last thing and go give them the key, but they didn't do that. But anyways, um, it's just the crappy parts of Bill and Ted. Entire movie. Oh, I so disagree with you so hard right now. <laughs> but I think that brings us, dear listener, to the review, the verdict uh, the QQ review scale is simple. Two Qs means we didn't like it and we're going to QQ about it. One Q means, eh, you know, it's okay. You might forget about it by next week, but whatever. And zero Qs is, look, nothing's perfect, but we really enjoy this and we think you will too. Oh, Zach, why don't, why don't you start us out? You're the wild card. Which, where, where's, where are you going to be on the score? <sighs> Solid one Q. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah, one Q feels about right. Like, there's a lot that I enjoyed about the movie, and there are some fun parts. Um, Act 3 is not fun, and I really hate that it is almost just guilt-tripping me into wanting to watch it again. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't say enough how insulted I am by how blatantly it really demands to be watched through multiple times. Um <laughs> Like, that that just part. It, it's, and, and, it's, and I hate that, because it, it's, it's like, it's, it's not clever enough to communicate you those things here earlier but it's just like oh hey just look for these easter eggs sure i guess whatever Give yeah me homework. No, it, it it definitely feels like i have homework and it's going to be an itch in my brain that eventually i will scratch uh i probably will watch it again uh out of spite if nothing else <laughs> jesus but uh <laughs> but like i liked the characters. I liked the protagonist. The casting was well done. Robert Pattinson, Pattinson whatever, Pattinson. is is great. Um, the uh, you know the tone of the movie, uh, color and otherwise, is really well done. I like a lot of the cinematography. I like some of the um, uh, well, I like a lot of the construct that they have around the idea of time travel in this film. Like there's there's stuff that you can get out of it, uh, but it definitely wants you to be in a fairly cerebral mindset that for casual viewing is just not going to happen. I'm not going to watch this movie tired, um, and I wouldn't recommend anybody else to do the same. Otherwise, it's just kind of background noise. So, yeah, it's it's solid one cue for me. All right, Ruli, I think I might know. Two cues. Go, no. go watch Inception. Go watch Inception instead. No. It's, 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 it didn't do it for me. It felt like homework. It's 
I, quite honestly, I feel like the pandemic probably helped this movie more because the people that really wanted to see it sought it out and it just it's in the middle of pandemic world. And I think if, if it came out and everyone saw it, I think folks would be like, I don't know if the, re- the reception would be worse than Interstellar or not. Um, I think it would probably have been worse than Interstellar if it hit the masses. Just, just the sheer disappointment of coming out of that movie of like, what did I just watch? Yeah, well, this people... started as a faux documentary and ended up as a regular movie. What the heck is going on? What format does this movie even want to do with itself? Yeah, I, I imagine major audiences would be so confused by this this movie. Oh, I'm I'm so torn, guys. So I, I mean, obviously, I really enjoyed some aspects of this film. I think it's super unique in ways that that maybe no other sci-fi has really explored i thought that again some elements of its writing in the deterministic timeline are so unbelievably well done um it's it is gorgeous in 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 for the most part as well shot for the most part the sound has got fucked up um but it it has some gaping flaws that i i don't want to hold against it because i'm like dude it did so much so well and some of the harder parts like again you're talking about the the reverse entropy of like fire and heat and and freezing to death. Like, I don't know. Could you have done better? Do you don't? I just want to salute the trying, but I I want <laughs> to give it zero cues. But I, I think in all fairness, I have to give it a cue. Like I fucking recommend every sci-fi. If you're a sci-fi nerd, if you love hard science fiction, for the love of God, watch this fucking movie. But I think it still has to be a cue, which sucks. Yeah, one yeah. zero. And and so so what I kind of struggle with too is just like like. You know, I like watch everything, like like from crappy B movies to like you know critically claim Oscar stuff. And what really bugs me the most is like, like for a director of his caliber, I would I I want it to be tighter. Like I expect it to be more tighter for what this is like six film, I think. Or I don't more, I don't know the more exact than that. Number, probably more, than more right, but it just like like to have like to to not be as tight, to not like kind of lean into it, and then like like like. Just taking the whole like I'm the director, I, I'm the writer, I'm the everything thing, and not having that collaboration, like because because you, you guys mentioned the writing room, like he wrote this himself, yeah. right? So like his writing room was him talking to himself for the past twenty years about this story, <laughs> thinking how cool it could be, hyping it up internally, and then sharing it with the world, and just using his I'm the director street cred to run it, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what kind of like bugs me, where it's just like if this was some up and comer being like, hey, here's this cool time travel thing, we're gonna throw things at it, I would I'd probably love it, I'd probably like it a lot more, but I feel like with his name attached to it, like my expectation levels a lot higher yeah. especially for like things yeah. where like i loved inception like i feel like that was like really tight really good movie you had a good mix of like emotional cues and character building and like a cool idea um yep. not perfect but I, like i love that movie so like to have it kind of like him do something like this i'm like oh there's so many ways this could have been so much more better i think so this yeah, yeah. now and we mentioned it like a tenant stage play would be not unwelcome i'd watch I it i think uh, and as a stage play, I think you can forgive a lot of that uh, sort of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff, because <laughs> there's only so much that you can really do in that setting. And it, it almost feels like the budget that he had, the production value that he has for this movie, is almost too much for the concept that he has. And I think I generally agree with you, Ruli. I I'm also with Tom. I really don't want to agree with you on this, but <laughs> if it were tighter, it could justify everything that's been put into it. The fact that it's not makes that harder. So I see where you're coming from. And if this were like his first film or if this were an art house film, I think it would honestly resonate 
a bit better because the imperfections would just be, you know, chalk that up to, hey, this is part of the process and hey, this is, you know, only had so much budget and look at what we did. But this is Christopher Nolan. And the fact that I can say this is Christopher Nolan with a straight face um, <laughs> and the weight behind that, yeah, you're right. Like the bar for quality, the bar for just the overall package is so much higher and it just doesn't quite meet it. Now I still think it justifies a cue pretty easily. Like just the concept of time travel in this movie and the way that it's presented alone gives it a cue. Like if you're interested in time travel as a theme in movies, this is one of the touchstone movies that you should watch. Absolutely. But that doesn't take away from the third act being awful, the sound balancing issues and all the other stuff that we've talked about. So, you know, it's, Roger Ebert gives it three stars out of five, and I feel like that is the most fair. Yeah, probably, probably. Again, I'm I'm giving it so much slack just because again the the deterministic hard sci-fi time travel is so amazing that it I am willing to forgive a lot of flaws, but there are some flaws, and some of them are just fucking bizarre, right? Like the sound editing. Like Nolan has his his unique way of doing sound that he likes to do, but. I, you know, I think there's just this objective, like, Chris, 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 no one in the fucking audience can hear the goddamn dialogue. Like, I don't really care what you're artistically trying to accomplish. If people can't hear it, what, what if it's I tell not you good. What, what if the dialogue uh, wasn't good and there was no story there and it's probably a feature, not a bug? Well, <laughs> Mr. Nolan, hire Ruley. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll be your, your agent. <sighs> Yeah, right. So much of this movie could have been done in a blank void and would have been as good. Um, I feel like that's credit to Nolan's writing as much as it is the characters and the way that the actors portray them. But man, yeah, that's just, that's not a complete film, is it? <sighs> it is what it is. Yeah. Well, all right, uh, gentlemen, this is one of our longest QQ reviews ever. Uh, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. I hope you watched Tenet before this. <laughs> it's only like half as long as the movie, so we're okay. Oh, yeah. Not bad, not bad. So, uh, gentlemen, will we be back next week to finish off our review of Mando Season 2? I am very much looking forward to that. Um, we think in Wednesdays. Looks like I'm it's, out Thursdays Wednesday, for the I'll next probably... month. If it's Wednesday, I'm more than likely Tuesdays are I have to go to work and be a functional human being first thing in the morning, which is no bueno. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dear listener, hopefully we'll be back next Wednesday to finish off Mando season two. All right, gentlemen, thanks again. This was uh, I really wanted I was so looking forward to talking about Tenet. So uh, it's been a rough day for literally all of us. Um, I'm glad we could escape into talking about something fun this evening and uh, we'll be back next week. Do it again. Yeah. It was good. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thanks a lot, y'all. Thank you, Tom. See you later. And until next time, dear listener, QQ! I said that in reverse, but you couldn't tell. Yeah. No. (laughs) QQ is a palindrome. I did the little foldy hand thing. (laughs) (laughs) The end is coming! Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. If you like what you hear, check out our website at qq-cast.com. We have multiple types of podcasts, quests, news, reviews, and our Choose Your Own Adventure podcast, The QQ Adventure. That website, again, is qq-cast.com. 
Now, please remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-workers or co-hosts, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality.